as we come to this seventh chapter in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has just been teaching his Sermon on the Plain. He has been teaching them that we are to love our enemies and to bless those who curse us. Jesus has been teaching to forgive and be forgiven. He has been teaching to do unto others as we would like others to do unto us. And after Jesus had finished all his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion was there who had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking Jesus to come and heal his slave. And when they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go. And he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my slave do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had heard who had been sent, returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we come this day longing to be able to jump into your arms and know that you will catch us. We long to know that you are waiting for us in love. So come to us now and persuade us of your love. Help us to trust you and rest in you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This past week, my husband and I celebrated our anniversary. And many of you may be celebrating your anniversaries around this time as well. Anniversaries are times to go back and remember how we first met and 
that first date and the wine that we drank on our second date and the third date that started with a walk and then going out to dinner and hours of talking and talking because we didn't want it to end. Anniversaries are great times to remember what it was that happened between us that brought us together. Fourteen years, five cars, three cats, two kids, and one dog later, it is good to pay attention to what happens between us. Maintaining that relationship takes forgiveness, it takes patience, it takes all that we have inside of us sometimes, tolerance and love. We have to pay attention to what happens between us. And that is the same with God. To be in relationship with God and no forgiveness and love, we have to pay attention to what happens between us. Our story today from Luke's Gospel can be very troublesome. And that is because when we hear it just on the surface, it, it says there was a man whose loved one became very ill. And that man reached out and called to Jesus. And Jesus was so impressed with his faith that Jesus decided to heal his loved one. And if we believe that, just like that, how damaging that that can be to our souls. Because we know that no amount of believing and praying and trying so hard to get Jesus to do what we want to do, we want him to do, can guarantee that our loved one is going to be healed. And we can come to think that our faith isn't good enough or we don't believe hard enough or that God is just a terrible, horrible God who would punish our loved one because of our lack of faith. That's not a good story. And so we have to come back and look for a different meaning and go beneath the surface. Faith as Lynn said, is not the same thing as believing. Having faith is not trying to get our heads to believe and intellectually assent to something that we know or may not be true. Not everyone who has great faith and loves God and whom God loves gets healed. And to try to make our heads believe that leaves us wanting nothing to do with God. Trying to get our heads to intellectually believe in the literal virgin birth 
or that God created the world in six days and rested in the seventh, literally, and that the earth is only 10,000 years old, even though we know that that is not true, that is not having faith. Is it important to believe that God is good? Do beliefs matter? Yes. But faith is more than belief. Faith happens in the heart. And it starts in God's heart. That word that Jesus uses for faith is the Greek word pistis. And pistis comes from another Greek word, patho. Now, in ancient Greek mythology, Patho was a goddess of persuasion. And I know where your mind is going with this. You can laugh. The goddess became to be the goddess of persuasion, of rhetoric, meaning persuasive words to persuade us, to win over our hearts, to become friends with us. That is the ancient goddess, Patho. And Pistis in ancient Greek mythology was a spirit that came out of Pandora's box, but a good spirit of honesty and trust and reliability, faith, that went up to heaven. So when Jesus in ancient Greek, biblical Greek, is speaking of faith, Jesus is speaking of a spirit that God sends out to persuade us to be friends with God, to persuade us that God loves us, to persuade us, to listen to us, to be friends with us, to make friendship happen between us. So if we go back to the story of the centurion, we wonder how he came to respond to the divine persuasion and have confidence in God's love through Jesus Christ. The first thing that we we have to know is that this story is about God's spirit and the power of God's spirit to break the barriers of politics, of culture, of nation, of religion, of economics. Because the Roman centurion is a commander of the army that occupies Israel and is there to keep the Jewish people in line. He is the face of the enemy. And yet, somehow, he is friends. In fact, he loves the Jewish people. Something has happened between them that they love 
and have this relationship where they should be enemies, but instead are friends. And the centurion has even built the synagogue. And the centurion has heard something about Jesus' sermon on the plane and and what Jesus does. And so the word gets inside of him. And he talks to the rabbis and he says, can you persuade Jesus to come and heal my beloved servant? And so the rabbis go to persuade Jesus to come and heal the servant. And in fact, Jesus is persuaded and he's on his way to the enemy's house. And the centurion sends more friends and says, look, don't come. I know what it means for you as a Jewish rabbi to enter my house. I know that there's danger involved in that. I know that ritually it will make you unclean. So speak the word. Command. I trust that you have the word and you can command the word to heal my servant. Something has happened between them. And Jesus is amazed. Nowhere has he seen such faith between God and a person. And it's not just about one servant being healed, because in all of that persuasion and connectedness, a whole community that could have been separated by hatred and violence is connected in love. And that is the life-giving power of God's Spirit that makes us whole. The first part of practicing faith is to pay attention to the things that God is doing in our lives. Where is God sending out that spirit of persuasion to make friends? to persuade us of God's love, to get us to trust, to spread open arms to us, to listen to our hearts and be there for us, paying attention to what is happening between us. And so I tell you this story of this past week where I saw some amazing happenings in between God and God's people. A week ago Friday, I got a phone call from a member of our congregation, Yvette Rose. And Yvette's mother had been taken to hospice up at Casey House. She had suffered for many, many years from a debilitative illness and and she was older and she she was done. And I went up to see Lehia and I took a prayer shawl. And her husband, German, was there by her bedside, and Yvette and her sister, Natalie. And I said, I'm from Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church, and I'm here with this prayer shawl, and we're going to say prayers for Lehia. And German is this delightful man. 
And he says, now who are you? And why are you here? And, and, and he's joking and smiling. And he's looking at this prayer shawl and he says, well, I want one of those. And I say to him, well, I'm from the church. And God said, you've got to go and see Lehia. So I came. And it turns out the German has prostate cancer. And he is in extreme pain himself. And so we're there and we're praying. And I said, you know, you get a prayer blanket. I'm going to bring you one. And I left. And within 48 hours, I got a, a text from Yvette saying that German had had a heart attack and he was in ICU at Suburban Hospital. Well, I go. Well, and there's German sitting up in the hospital bed in ICU, having had this heart attack, joking. And I said, German, you did this just so you could get a prayer blanket. And, of course, I ran out of the church so fast, I forgot to bring him one. And he said, well, why did you come? And I said, God sent me. And now I had to come. And we prayed, and I left, and I got a beautiful text about how it lifted German's spirit and then within 36, 48 hours later, I get a text from Yvette saying that German had the heart attack because his kidneys had shut down. The prostate cancer had advanced. He'd had all the chemo. He'd had all the surgery. He'd had all the radiation. And it was, it was done. He was being moved to Casey House that night. So Yvette and Natalie have both their mom and their dad in hospice. So, the next morning, I remember the prayer blanket. And I go up to see German first, and he loves his prayer blanket. He's a little confused because it, that's what happens when your kidneys shut down. But he's still really with it, and we're joking, and we're talking about it, and German doesn't quite get it. He accepted to come to hospice, but he thinks he's getting better. And Natalie and Yvette are trying to get him to go see their mom. And German is, no, I do not want to see her. I do not want her to worry about me. I cannot let her see me when I am sick. I am going to feel better and then I will go. Of course, the thing is, is that German's not going to get better. He's going to get more confused. And there's this little bit of time there for them to be together and know it. And, and I say to German, I said, okay, but you got to promise me that you're going to go see her before I leave. And now he starts to get angry. And the kids come, and they try to talk him. And he said, you can't force me. And Natalie and Yvette's faces are white, with exhaustion and grief and 
anger. They don't want to have that anger. We leave German. We go over to see Yvette. And she's, again, she's done. She's tired. We pray with Yvette. We're there. We're holding her hand. And suddenly the nurse is at the door waving to us. And it turns out that German has changed his mind. And now he wants to come and see Lehia. And so we go back, and this guy is completely different. He says, go find me a flower. A flower means something special between us. And let's hide the prayer blanket underneath the cover so I can bring it out as a surprise to show her. And we're all wondering, like, well, what happened? And he says, you, you, you pushed 911. And I saw the spark. I saw the light. So I'm going. Of course, it wasn't me. It was God. And so they wheel German's entire bed out into the hall and make a turn with this giant extension cord with his oxygen tank and make the other turn and then wheel his bed right into Lehia's hospice room and plug it in so that, and, and Lehia just starts crying. She is weeping and sobbing these great tears of joy because German has come to see her because they're there together. And he reaches out and he touches her cheek. And Lehia and Yvette and I are just crying. And he takes out the rose. He had it hidden, you know, right there under the sheet. And he takes out the rose and gives it to her. And he says, you know what this means. And he whispers something about their first time that he gave her a flower and what that meant. And, of course, you think it's surreal that this is happening in some kind of a movie and we're just bawling, all of us. And then we get the prayer blanket out and, and, and German says, now I don't have to steal yours. It was the most amazing experience of the presence of love that I have ever had in all of my 20 years of ministry. I tell you this because God's Spirit happened. And we were lucky enough to be there to pay attention to it. And the first part of practicing faith is paying attention to what God is doing. Where God's love And God's spirit is moving. And God's spirit was moving. And I hope that by my telling it, you have experienced something of God's spirit reaching into your heart to persuade you that God loves you. And that the something between you and God may be strengthened. 
It is that experience of God's love and the love that happens in return. It has nothing to do with what we believe. A little bit what we believe. You don't have to be Christian. You don't have to even know God to experience that divine love and be persuaded of love. Pay attention this week to what's happening between you and God. Amen.